Let's talk about Predators. Uh, not an individual one, like the last movie. And not even like that movie where the title was Predators. We have from the films things we know about Predator society. So predators are hunters, is what we're told. They they scour the universe for the most dangerous beings in the universe, and they, they hunt them to death. Uh, they take trophies, and they mount them on their ships. And uh, In Predator 2, one of the worst movies ever, uh, they took, you could actually see where there were like skulls and stuff. And in, in the background of the, the ship, you could actually see an alien skull that had been polished white, hung up there among the human skulls and other, other alien skulls. They have advanced technology. They have spaceships. They have cloaking technology. They have uh, gear on their arms, the, essentially mini nukes that they carry around with them with full confidence. They won't just go off anytime. So from this, there's certain things we can extrapolate from predator society at large, which is an interesting thing to do. Because we think about these cool predators uh, coming down, hunting Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, fighting aliens relatively successfully, which I've never bought. I am of the camp... I'm an alien fan. So there's this alien versus predators, King Kong versus Godzilla. You either are on one side or the other. You believe one's going to beat the other for a reason. Now, my only problem with the Alien franchise, not only I have a lot of problems with the Alien franchise, we could do a lot of talking about the Alien franchise. But one of the main problems was each subsequent film. The aliens seem to get dumber. So the first Alien movie, if you think about it, it's a lone alien on the spaceship. It's actually scared. It's lonely. He doesn't know where it is. It's in the alien environment to him. We are the aliens. He's just trying to survive. So the alien in the film, uh, the first film, doesn't actually take on humans directly. And that's actually interesting because we know that the alien's incredibly strong and powerful and has like spiky tail and stuff. But it still hides and it's smart about how it hunts them down one at a time and it lures them into traps and stuff. The second film is the introduction of a queen in a real way. And the aliens in that film act more like ants. Like they're subservient to the queen, yes, but they're not smart anymore. So there's the scene in the hallway, in like the, it's supposed to say Jeffrey's tube, which is Star Trek. In the air vent, let's say, where they've set up two automatic turrets and then the aliens come and come and they, and they actually kill so many aliens, the two guns run out of bullets. But that doesn't seem very smart. Like, not like an alien from the first film wouldn't have done that. He would have been like, oh, there's guns there. I'm going to go another way. I'm going to find another way. In. So I believe the alien from the first film would have actually defeated the Predator if it was one-on-one. Uh, that's not what we're talking about. I then immediately got onto Kong and, and Godzilla, and I'm a Godzilla fan. But if you look at the power set of the two creatures, King Kong and Godzilla, and actually Godzilla would absolutely dominate that confrontation. There's no way King Kong has... They tried to say that King Kong's smart. Uh, he's not that smart because Godzilla has a nuclear powered jet beam that comes out of his face 
I mean, it doesn't actually, it doesn't really matter how smart you are if that cuts you in half. So really Godzilla just would have to go once. Uh, kind of game over for Godzilla, uh, for King Kong. I don't know. I, I just like, they did a, a fair job. I enjoyed the fights. I really hated the second fight. So there's one there's on a boat. Or was it? I forget. Anyways, after the second fight, one of the one of the characters, the guy, the lead guy goes, well, I guess this round goes to Kong. And I was like, fuck off. I mean, Godzilla, absolutely. There's a fight in the water too. And um, gorillas and apes and stuff, they sink. They don't float. Uh, they're actually generally quite afraid of water because their muscle mass is so heavy, so so much more than human beings. They just don't float. They just sink and they can't really swim. So a fight in the water is a really bad idea for King Kong. King Kong would sink because he has it's, it's relative, right? He would sink uh, and die. Whereas Godzilla seems to live in the water. I I don't know what what he does. Does he go into hibernation or something? Not what we're talking about. I believe that Godzilla would whoop King Kong, no question. I believe the aliens from the first film would have beat the Predator, but they ended up somehow making the alien dumber every film that came out, which was very disappointing because I thought many aliens who are smart would be way more terrifying than just like a mass of ants chasing you. Like that's scary, but it's not the same as, no, those are smart ants. That's scary. And they're solving problems and stuff. I'm about to get off on just like, this is the problem. I wanted to talk about Predator and I am just talking about Alien and I'm going to talk about Alien for the next 10, 15 minutes. I'm going to, I'm going to force myself to stop after one more point. And that is in two films, they actually show the alien uh, pressing a button. I think it's the first film. No, it's the second film. I have to go back and watch them all now. Uh, The Queen <laughs> rides the elevator up. And that actually demonstrates that she was smart enough to learn how to push the button to make the elevator work, which actually shows the level of intelligence you're working with. The uh one of the I think it's the fourth film, when it gets into the really bad ones. One of the scientists is torturing the alien by spraying him with like cold stuff. Uh like nitrous oxide, let's say. Is that right? Whatever. I'm sure I've already gotten it wrong, but it doesn't matter. And this is the problem. I get stuck on these details because I'm like, I should go check. But I don't, if I go check, it's just you watching me go check. It's a waste of time. That's what editing's for. That's what, that's what I got to remember. I should go do all this stuff and then come back and pretend I know it and just edit out the bits where I didn't. I'm honest as a actor in this, in this little uh, play that we call life. <laughs> so... In, in that movie, so and then the aliens kill... There are three aliens in the same cage. Already a mistake. I knew that going in. They kill one. They rip open his stomach, so he bleeds acid onto the floor. It makes a hole in the floor. And the two aliens that survive, they run out. The scientist goes into the cage to take a look around, and the alien presses the button to freeze him, which, again, shows, demonstrates that the aliens should be smarter than they're portrayed in most of the films. Not even the topic. Not even the topic. I wanted to talk about Predators. So what we have is they got the helmets with the infrared and different sort of uh, spectrums that they can see. We got the very miniaturized technology, the the bomb on their arm. Uh, They have cloaking technology. They have spaceships. So what can we extrapolate about predator society from the information we're given in the movies? Well, first of all, uh, 
we know that the predators have a style. So there's like when I was a kid, I was sort of, uh, I was with the, the punk kids, but, uh, I was, I also was kind of into the mod stuff like quadrophenia, which actually a friend of mine brought up recently, but also at the same time, I didn't want to be like pigeonholed in anyone. So I would dress, I was, I, I dressed like a, a punk kid who lived at home, uh, and his parents allowed him to. That was very much my stylistic choice. And then I became a skater and stuff. But that's style. So these are choices. These are conscious choices. So we're up on the screen right now, we have a uh, predator and it's got, it's pretty smooth helmet, sleek lines. That was actually, I think, one of the originals. Uh, but then a, a different, if you look at some of the later films, they got more uh, extroverted almost in their design. So they got some like some little like, claws coming off and some some stylist uh, vents in the back. It's it's almost like a spoiler in the back of the helmet. They've kept a pretty flat face. And I think that was that was kind of set. Uh, they do seem to wear sort of uh, nylon across their body. I'm guessing that's actually, if you want to come up with a technical reason, the, the camouflage, but it's like netting. And the netting comes up regularly. So this is really just... Uh, they think showing off some skin, some abs is a good idea. This is, this is, this is what they want to do. Uh, they have certainly skin exposed regularly. So we can see from that that the, the predators, they believe in sexiness. Uh, that, that implies that there's a certain sort of aesthetic that goes along with being a predator. Yeah, so this one, yeah, he's got like a little strap over his shoulder. He's wearing the, the, the mesh net as a shirt. He's got the, the big shoulder arm gun, shoulder mounted gun. I mean, that's all good stuff. These guys clearly have an aesthetic. So that means in predator society, there are designers. There are predator designers because these are not just utility. There is a fancifulness to what they're going. And like, you think about skill sets, like I am really good at judo. I am adequate at other things. There's only about maybe two things in everyone's life you could say I'm really good at. And then everything else you're okay. And then there's all the skills you don't have. That is probably true. Now you could say they're, they're predators or an alien species. Maybe they are good at everything. I have my doubts because that would actually, there'd be more demonstrations of that throughout. So there is a fashion designer predator on the planet thinking about like, oh, this year, we're going to have a thicker weave in our netted shirts. Uh, this year, shoulder-mounted cannons. It's not one. We're going to have two, one on either side. That Those are going to be stylistic choices. And they will pack in utility because clearly that's important. Uh, it's one of the things I think function should take precedence over form. Uh, other people disagree. And I, again, it's a, it's a personal preference. There are going to be predators who are more stylish than other predators, the guys with the more flourishes on their helmet, let's say. But as to my previous point, they have that like forearm thing. They have the shoulder mounted cannon. They have spaceships. This implies scientist predators, tech support predators, and flight school. So the inventor predator, the scientist predator, the guy who makes the iPhone for the predator, which is going to be, I would actually say that thing on the forearm. That's clearly the thing they use the most. It's going to be, uh, they're, they're going to get their messages through it. It, it, it. It's a smartphone with an explosive device 
that controls a lot of other things. It's very much like the smartphone of our modern times. So imagine you're, you're cliche nerdy person. Now, actually the nerd in modern society has changed a great deal because they often tend to take care of themselves, be very fit and they're quite rich. And so they, they actually do quite well. My image of a nerd has changed. I know when I was young, nerd was an insult. Uh, I'm now thinking attack of the nerds, the movie where the nerds are trying to have sex with the jocks, girlfriends or the cheerleaders or whatever. And there are several hijinks that ensue. It is not a good film. And I'm sure it's one of those films that does not stand up over time. Uh, don't go back and take a look. Having said that, I know at least one person I know is going to go take a look, but fair enough. Do what you want. I'm not going to tell you how to spend your time. Uh, I think you would be disappointed because I remember it being lauded as hilarious and I bet I couldn't even sit through the whole thing anymore. So there's so much technology and that means there are people in predator society who are not interested in hunting so much as technology, which would make sense. It'd be the computer people. So it'd be the hackers. It would be the people who program apps. So, oh, you're, uh, you want to make your arm countdown look cooler? I have an app for that. Uh, when they have free time on the spaceship, I could see them playing a game on their arm. Absolutely, 100%, I could see that happening. So then there's also the spaceship. Now, in all the Predator films, I remember there's only ever a couple on the spaceship. There's The second film has a group, um, and that would also imply there are specialized roles. So if there are specialized roles, it means, yeah, you have an engineer, you have a cook, you have all the things that you need on a functioning spaceship. Actually, most of the time they show them on there alone which has brings up a lot of questions like, can they fix their own ship? Because I can drive a car. I cannot properly repair a car. And I could repair my first car. I was born in 1972. My first car that I owned outright was a 1974 Super Beetle. It was only two years younger than me. I had it when I was like 20. Uh, so it was about 18 years old when I got it. The engine in that was simple enough. I could swap out parts. I can't honestly say I could fix it. But if there was a part broken... I could change the part and it would work again. It was about as simplistic as engines get. Uh, you know, change spark plugs pretty regularly, things like that, all that kind of stuff. No problem. It actually used to blow out a spark plug and it would be really funny because the, just the sound of the engine would change. It would start to sound like a muscle car. Go, uh, and then I also had two batteries. So the battery in a, in a Beetle was actually kept under the back seat. And what I did is I kept two in the back seat so I could actually boost my own car when, because I think the alternator wasn't very good. It's a very old car. But the, the benefit was that it was so simple that I could fix it. My point is in the, in the Predator, in this case, the ship is so advanced, I have doubts that the Predator would be able to fix it himself. So you need engineer Predators, you need mechanic Predators, you need all these kind of guys. And my guess is that these other jobs would have lower status in society. So what, but then that brings up a whole other thing. Uh, I think I got bug bite on my foot. If it's about status, what we're actually seeing in the movies are like rich kids. The, the alien, first alien versus predator. Uh, no. It's the first one they find. Anyways, they, the, the predators sent into that, they get killed by the aliens are actually supposed to be sort of young predators who are still sort of earning their stripes and working their way up. They don't really indicate that well in the film, but the reason they don't just like whoop ass like they're supposed to is because they're actually supposed to be basically like teens or, or kids. And this is their first time doing this. But my first image was 
that these predators are actually like Republicans because they're the rich people of society uh, going out on their hunts, which is actually like exactly what uh, rich Republican people do on safari. And so that changed my view of the predator as a character because I immediately just started thinking Republicans. <laughs> and they look down on the people who service them. They look down on the people who like maintain the ships and they look down on the people because that's there is an implication that's how their society is structured. So if that's how their society is structured, that is how these people behave. The only thing you can say is that because they're alien, our way of thinking doesn't relate to their way of thinking. So maybe in predator society, they do view all people as equal. Although I'm of the hunter class, you are of the engineer class. I don't look down on you for that. But because I'm a human and I have human context, and these aliens were created by humans and they also have human context, it, I, I have some questions uh, at the end. So flight school took me to another thing because you don't just get in a car or anything and know how to do it. Someone has to teach you, which means there is a driving teacher predator. And that's got to be an interesting experience because if you piss them off, do they fight? Uh, they've never really shown predators negatively interacting with each other. The end of the, the first film, the predators, uh, the the, the lead character kills the predator in the lamest way possible um, with his own weapon. Uh, and then one of the predators goes uninvisible. Visible, I suppose, would be the word for that. Uninvisible. Makes himself visible and a whole bunch of others appear. So they were just standing around watching the whole time. Uh, and then they give him an old pistol. And then they like basically say, we're going to leave now. If you don't get off the ship, you'll die. They don't say that, but it's pretty implied that they don't care whether he lives or dies. So... They didn't help their friends, so that's also weird. But I, I, I think that, again, I could chalk that up to like, well, this was his fight. He chose it. We have to let him finish success or failure. I was kind of okay with that. But they don't show them arguing or interacting with each other. So we don't know if they're aggressive towards each other or not, but I get the implication that they are. It's just when people talk about predators as a society, they talk about them like being hunters or predators. Uh and my thought was you can't have a hunting-based society without some kind of support society under it. Under it, You could have it if hunting was how you get your food because that is actually what you're doing. The hunters are supporting the rest of society. In this case, the hunting is entertainment. So they're going off-world to another planet to hunt. For, that's all fun times. That's not supporting anyone else. They're not bringing back food. They're not bringing back resources. This is just clear entertainment purposes. So if that's the case, then the support system has to be there otherwise. I was thinking about the driver instructor, but that then took me down to, well, that means there are educational systems in place. Educational systems means there are teachers, and that means there are kids. Now, weirdly, one of my first thoughts was actually about the, the predator's face. They have the, the big talons. Uh, and it has, they're, they're not like fingers, but they have the two from the top and two from the bottom. They seem sort of flexible. Like they can do, they don't just move up and down or anything like they open and close, which I think is a certain amount of flexibility. So my first thought was little predator kids picking their nose, but actually recently, cause I just started going through the pictures. They don't have nostrils like humans do. It seems like under this nose flap, there is a hole. And I think that might be where their nostril is supposed to be. So it's covered most of the time. Uh, maybe it's filtered. I'm not sure. So I'm guessing they don't suffer from allergies the same way like I would in the summer 
or springtime. But the predator kids, I mean, kids pick at themselves. I know that they have ears, so um, they probably can't get that flap all the way back to their ear, but they could get it up to their eyes. So I could see them picking stuff out of their eyes. It's like little, the, 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 the mandible here as it goes up and goes into their eye and pick something out and then they eat it. Because that's what kids do. And then a school marm predator, because a school teacher, she's still going to have the same face as the predator. I don't know about the dreadlocks look. And again, that also implies there's a stylist. I don't know if they might be able to do it themselves, but uh, uh, they have rings and stuff in these in their hair. So they have these like rings and it's, it's done. It's a thing that's done. These aren't just tubes. It's hair. So they are for decorative purposes. If they are decorative, that means someone's doing it, be it themselves or someone else. But I, I get the feeling it's someone else doing it for them because they got a lot of hair. They have a lot of the dreadlock things to do. I think someone else does that, which means there's kind of a beautician predator uh, who has really fancy dreadlocks or maybe they've gone somewhere else and they, they, like, they've made it into a, something more poofy. Then I started thinking about sort of myself within the predator society. So I'm what you would call a very average person. The average person in predator society cannot be a top class hunter. They can't be, like, you just can't have everyone can't be top tier. That's the same, like elite athletes. You can't, it doesn't matter if you do a sport, you're most likely to be average. So most people are average. So the average predator gets up every day, goes to work, probably engineer, teacher, flight school, whatever it is, works, you know, maybe admires these higher level predators who go hunting uh, all the time and think the world and think the universe is their oyster to play with. They, they don't say whether dying on a hunt is as glorious or not. That's actually an interesting point because we don't get any sort of translation or communication uh, via them. The last film they came out with, The Predator, had a predator use a translation software to actually speak in English, which was vaguely interesting. But all he was doing was making demands. I mean, we didn't learn anything about them culturally, which is kind of what I'm talking about. But the average predator wouldn't really be a predator anymore. He would just walk around in whatever the predator he would walk around in whatever the predator equivalent of slacks were. Like he wouldn't have need for a shoulder mounted cannon, maybe for looks, but yeah, I mean, on an average day, you're not walking around with a big gun on your shoulder because you don't need it. I would actually assume predator society is quite safe. I don't know. Uh, again, no insights into their world. There may be a comic or two that has done it, but I've, I've missed it. But I'm betting the comic is actually, again, only working on the elites. It's the same thing with superheroes. Superheroes are always the elite of society. It's never just the average guy. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I just hit a whole bunch of questions. I don't, I can't even answer. It's just I was trying to sketch out in my head, really, again, because I've been a teacher most of my life, what a predator middle school would be like. Because I know what I, I've taught Japanese kids in schools, like eight, ten students, let's say. And you always got two kids in the back messing around. Again, we're talking about a level of technology that they'd have access to. Those kids might actually be able to blow stuff up and stuff. So you assume that could happen. But then I, being the teacher, I would already be aware of that and I'd be on top of it because I was a good teacher. My kids didn't get to mess around too much. Is that what it's like? So really, I want an insight into predator society as a whole because that that view of a society, that world building hasn't happened. And I think it's because they can't. Because as soon as you do it, you take away the mystique of the hunter society that they're talking about. Because as soon as you get into it, 
you realize that most of the societies they create like this, like the Klingons and Star Trek and stuff, that society would break down. There's no way you can have a class of people who just fight all the time without people supporting them. And you might say like, oh, well, the samurais were like, that. well, the samurais had 99% of the population farming to support their lifestyle of just stabbing each other every now and then. The predators have eyes. <laughs> they also have teeth. So having a dog, I mean, they have mandibles and fangs and stuff. Uh, one of the things you got to think of is tooth care. So do predators brush their teeth? Uh, these ones actually in the pictures I'm looking at on the screen right now are quite yellow, which actually would imply to me they're not really, oh, this one actually has no eyes. So I think he might be a different one. But like, if you look at the, it's nice, shiny white teeth, very sharp. I don't know if they sharpen them or not. Uh, he's got some, some yellow down at the ends and some white up at the top. So, I mean, you know, I would assume he's older and hasn't really cared for his teeth throughout his whole life. Or it's just some natural yellowing that happens. But most of them have pretty nice white teeth. Having a dog and taking care of their teeth, you realize it's important to take care of your teeth. Uh, and what does predator toothpaste look like? I actually assume it's a cream just like ours because they have hands, they have thumbs, they have opposable thumbs. They can brush their teeth like a human would. Uh, I was actually, toothpicks used to be a really big thing. And apparently a really big thing used to be a tooth cloth and you would actually, you know, put it in your mouth and wipe your teeth, which was an interesting concept because they could have something like that. The level of technology they're dealing with, they might just stick something in their mouth and just beams, it just kills all any bacteria on their teeth for a while. They just bite into it or something. Certainly could come up with something for that. But the other one I was thinking about was actually their eyes. But because they have human-esque eyes, I know they don't see the same spectrum as us. That's why they have all the different filters in the movies. But because they have eyes, I started thinking about a problem that I have, if you have seen my face. I wear glasses constantly. Now, predator society being so advanced, having spaceships that can tra traverse the universe and whatnot, absolutely, they could just have surgical technology to a level where they could just fix eyes. And I would actually accept that more than almost all the other stuff we're talking about. Like, oh, my eyes are weak just give you a drug and it'll make your eyes stronger because, you know, it's just a version of a steroid that we haven't got yet in humanity. There is a whole section of predator society. And this was a story I was actually thinking about writing, but then I was like, ah, it wouldn't be worth, the joke wouldn't be worth it. And you just write the story of a normal day of a normal person. But then it turns out he's just like the, the predator who teaches middle school. So he lives in predator society. I'm sure that they don't call themselves predators, but he lives in predator society and then turns around and just like, yeah, I'm a school teacher and I teach kids and the kids, some of them are really good. Like we got a couple uh, girls up here in the front who are really studious and really good. And then these two little boys in the back, they're always picking their, uh, using their mandibles to pick their nose. That immediately made my nose itchy and I had to like scratch my nose. The last, the second Alien versus Predator movie the predator that comes down. So it's supposed to be really badass. Uh, there's some aliens have gotten loose in essentially Portland and they start killing people and stuff. And this singular predator is called down from the predator planet to exterminate the aliens that have gotten loose on this planet. So that sounds really badass. But if you think about, if you switch that into terms, like that's clearly his job. Uh, he was missing one mandible, which is supposed to be like, he's been through some stuff, had some scars and stuff. I appreciated all that. But what is his actual job is pest control. So they don't want 
the humans to find the aliens. Uh, they don't want to have any evidence left behind. So he would kill the alien and then put the blue goo on it and it would dissolve. And the bodies that were found, he put blue goo on them and they would dissolve. One alien was in a pool. He put the blue goo in the pool and it just destroyed the alien. So blue goo is really effective. And that is something that should have come up again in later films, just throwing blue goo at each other. A gun that shoots blue goo, a blue goo gun, would have been one of the more effective weapons. Because I think when we think of the Predator in this situation, we're thinking more black ops. Like he comes in, he sneaks out, and he sneaks in, and he's doing like what we would do in a black, black ops movie, like a spy almost. Whereas when I was thinking about it, his actual job, yes, he doesn't want to get caught by the humans, but that's actually a fairly simple thing to do if you have visual camouflage that you can wear all the time. So he hasn't hit a sort of higher level of skill or quality. He's just using, or maybe quite effective at using the tools at hand. So what is his real job? He's there because some bugs have gotten on a planet they're not supposed to get on. So he's there to exterminate the bugs. So that changed my feeling towards him a bit at the end. That's really all I have to say about predators. There were no answers there, only questions because, uh, I, I would be very interested in whoever does the world building for Predator. You know, the Predator sound, though, is a guy. So they made the first film, and it's and then I they were going to make a later film, and they were trying to find the original audio so they could extract those sounds and use them again. Uh, and they went to a sound engineer, and they're like, oh, you were trying to find these sounds. He goes, oh, yeah, I made those. And they go, oh, great, so you have it on the computer. He goes, no, no, I made those. It was a really interesting thing. And then he just does those like, I couldn't do it. That's why I haven't been hired for the next film. But he made those sounds with his mouth, like, like, yeah, clicks and stuff. And so they just had, oh, well, great, come back and do it again. And he did. And it was, it was, it was, it's a really neat thing. But as a complete side note, there have been questions about aliens visiting Earth again. Like the, the military released some study or something, uh, some, some papers, and they said, like, yes, we've seen unidentified flying objects and stuff. And people immediately flipped out and went, aliens, aliens, aliens. I have, I've recorded this before, so I don't want to like repeat myself too much because I'll end up being like Joe Rogan and just saying one, he has like three things he says constantly. But I guess if you do two, three, four hour podcasts a day, I guess you are going to repeat yourself a lot. I don't do that yet, but I do have three podcasts. So I'm, you know, getting there as best I can. The aliens have no reason to come to earth. The belief that aliens are coming to earth implies a certain narcissism that I don't personally believe in. So come up with a reason to come to earth. There's actually only one reason an alien would come to earth. And in that case, they wouldn't actually come to earth. So let's take all the science fiction movies. Movies have said they come to earth for resources, which doesn't make any sense because if you are traversing space, so water is always a classic, like uh, they came here to steal our water because water is a resource. But if you are able to traverse space over years and years and years and massive amounts of distance, you've already solved the problem of how to get water because some point in space, you need to get water. Any other resource you would need, gold, uh, any kind of metal, anything, isn't unique on earth. 
probably you're actually going to be using hydrogen, which you can find everywhere in the universe. It's really plentiful. You just, it, the hard part for us right now on earth is how do we harvest it? And that's the hard part. So how do you get to the point where you now can function, make a spaceship travel from your planet to another solar system, to another planet? You would need to solve all those problems first. So our astronauts have to bring all their food and water and stuff with them. If they go any further than that, the next problem is how do we make it so they can actually survive that trip? And then there's coming here for our benefit. Uh, that's crop circles. The crop circle guys are always like, this is a message. They're, they're trying to tell us something. And if we're enlightened enough to understand it, they're going to like elevate us. It's very Scientology kind of stuff. But there's actually no real reason to make it a puzzle because there's no benefit to that. The actual first thing between two alien species to solve as a problem would be communication. So uh, the movie Arrival, that's kind of what it's about. It's about trying to communicate between humans with our knowledge and prejudices and the aliens and what they know. And they ended up with the writing system where they're writing in circles. My point to that was, what if one of the aliens in Arrival, the octopod guys, what if they have messy handwriting? Because I have really messy handwriting. So if I wrote stuff and then you studied it and you thought that was the archetype of how all writing was supposed to be, it would be almost impossible to read someone else's handwriting. So that was actually a, an interesting problem with that film that I don't think... They just glossed over it. But again, again, these aliens are using a perfect writing system using oil that comes out of their body. So that was, that was cool. But communication, the whole point would be to communicate so that you don't want to make it too difficult. And the scientists that have talked about this seriously, they say the first thing you do is just uh, prime numbers to show that you understand math. And if you have the basic language of math, because they must understand some form of math to be able to do the things they've done with spaceship and travel and stuff. That would be our first form of communication. So it's not going to be a crop circle. And uh, farmers have already basically admitted to doing it themselves. They want to come here because we are unique in the universe. But... I don't think, again, that's the height of narcissism to think that we are special and unique in the universe because we're not, uh, statistically speaking. I know I've, we've never seen aliens. They've never come to the earth, but statistically there's no reason for them to because if they have the ability to travel to other planets, they've found multiple species because uh, they exist, we exist. That means other species exist. And the other species are going to more, be more interesting than us. And, and that's, again, that's if you're going to be really honest and realistic, that is the case. Until we start directing our own evolution, we are not a particularly interesting species. Uh, if we even survive the next sort of epoch. So that's, that's another reason why there's no reason for them to come here. The only reason I can think of them to come here would be like scientists studying bugs. Now, Scientists don't generally dig down into the earth and get into the bugs. They'll just use x-rays or a probe or something like that, or they shove a camera down there. So the closest you think to me, realistically speaking, would be an unidentified flying object. If it was actually alien, would just be a kind of camera or a probe or something. And it would just collect data and disappear so they could learn about us as a unique thing in the universe. Yes, but just one of many species of animal that exists in the world. So I don't think aliens would actually come here. And they say like, oh, if they come here, think about how when uh, white people came to, Europeans came to the West and how awful they were, they were the powerful thing. That is also implying that 
anyone, any species that's gotten to space travel hasn't also figured out those problems as well. If you've gotten to space travel and you're doing it successfully, you're taking the resources of an entire planet to do it. Um, and then if you're getting to the level where you're beyond that, you're either going to destroy yourselves via war because your weapons have gotten that powerful or you're going to figure out how to live together. And then I think when they f- go out into the, into the universe and see like there are other species, they're not, their differences become much smaller. So I think anyone who's gone through the effort to come all the way here, they're not here to attack us. I don't think they're here to like raise us up or anything like that. I think that's a bit um, grandiose as well. But it's one of the reasons that alien stories, when you start thinking about them realistically and effectively, don't make a lot of sense. The alien, I, 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 can't, I can't talk about anything science fiction and not get back onto the alien. It's just, I love it so much. The alien, the implication of the, the movies, there's uh, Covenant, Prometheus and Covenant, uh, is that they were actually designed to clean off planets, which is a really neat idea. Like they are extinction level events. So they drop them on the planet, they reproduce, they kill everything on the planet. Then essentially they would starve to death, but now the planet's clean uh, and you can start again. But they never actually showed them doing that. They showed the android in Alien Covenant dropping the alien goo stuff on the engineer people. Which again, those aren't all the engineers in those spaceships. Those were just like average people. He just committed speciesicide. It's genocide on such a mass level. You actually have to go up a, a level. Um, but yeah, just just some some shopkeeper engineer people. There was a beautician in there died who was just trying to make you know. Oh, they were all bald, and they didn't wear clothes. Did they? I think they wore togas in Covenant. It's all it's all starting to fade away because those movies didn't have the impact. The last two alien movies actually were not about alien. They were about like androids. And I think it's whoever's writing those is now more interested in androids than they are in actual the alien. I think taking the alien in another direction where it was smarter or something like that. I actually went on Wikipedia and read about all the proposed proposals for like alien two, three and four and stuff. And they were all way more interesting than the movies we got. It was like, uh, the, it was all about space corporations and then using them, you know, the, the stuff they imply in the films that they get used as military stuff. But then the, the proposal for following movies, subsequent movies was they actually do that. So it's too bad because we didn't get the movies we want. The predator movies kind of went downhill. I think there's supposed to be one more. It'll actually probably decide whether or not the franchise continues. The alien movies have basically tanked out. I don't know where they're going. Like, are we even going to get any more? Do we want more? It's I, I can't answer that. But I know somewhere there's a middle school predator teacher and he's really annoyed that his kids keep picking their nose with their mandibles. 